It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On. Welcome, everybody, to the ultimate NFC East crossover program. My name is Patricia Trainer, and I am the host of Locked On Giants. And I am joined by my colleagues of the NFC East. We have Marcus Mosier of Locked On Dallas, Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles, and Chris Russell of Locked On, the team to be named later. So <laughs> locked on Redskins currently, but uh, that name obviously is no longer, uh, it's been retired. So welcome gentlemen and uh, hope everybody's doing well. Thank you, Patricia. I'm, uh, you know, I, I've probably slept about 11 hours since the end of last football season. Uh, I'm sure you guys have slept a little bit more than me. Hope everybody's having uh, as good of a summer as you possibly can. Absolutely. And today what we're going to do is we are going to put Chris on the hot spot, hot seat. We're going to have, uh, we, we all have questions, Chris, that we want to know about the, uh, oh. the team uh, formerly known as, uh, well, I won't say the name here, but the Washington yeah. Football Club. We'll call it that until they yes. have a new name. So um, I- I'll kick it off if I could. Uh, Chris, just give us an overview of what this whole process has been with the name change and, you know, the rumors for weeks. Now it finally has come to fruition. Um, training camp is supposed to start next week and, you know, they don't have an identity. How do you think yep. it's going to affect this, this team? Well, I, I do think it's likely that they will have a name identity uh, by the time training camp is scheduled to begin on July 28th. Uh, and that is the understanding of the organization right now that while it can be pushed back, uh, it is still all systems go at least right now planned for July 28th. So that, you know, is roughly two weeks away. And I, I think today, uh, I think Monday's announcement, you know, which officially confirmed what we all knew right from the get-go, that they were going to change the name. We weren't sure exactly about the logo, uh, but that they're going to do both uh, is an important step, but it's clearly not the final step. And I would expect, again, uh, I don't know for sure because it is a very difficult process with trademark uh, protection, registration, copyrights. I would expect that they are going to have a new name in the next two weeks and before they go to camp because I know one thing. I don't know a lot of things, but I know one thing. Ron Rivera did not sign up to be the head coach, president, general manager, assistant general manager, executive vice president, and a complete voice of the franchise to take every bullet that can possibly be thrown at him uh, by everyone in the media, nationally and locally, about what the name is going to be and why they made the decision. And that's not just going, they're just not going to allow that, in my opinion, uh, and based on other people's opinion, not only for Ron Rivera, but for the players. So that's the biggest thing right now is getting this done in time so that they don't have to answer, you know, a, a million questions every day. And finally, hopefully, they can just concentrate on football. 
Hey, Chris, it's Marcus Mosier here from Locked On Cowboys. Um, I'm going to ask you an actual football question. I'm sure that we ah. you probably haven't talked about that in a long time. No, I um, love football, Marcus. I, <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate the name game. I love football. Um, all right, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Um, I, I want to talk about Washington's offensive line because uh, it's fascinating to me. Gone is Trent Williams, who you, you guys obviously traded away uh, this offseason. I'm curious about the left tackle spot. Um, yeah. Washington drafted Shadiq Charles in this year's draft. Uh, Cornelius Lucas is somebody that you brought in from Chicago. What is the status of, of the offensive line, especially that left tackle spot going into the 2020 season? Well, sure. We'll start there. And one name you didn't bring up, uh, and it's for good reason, because he struggled in his first two years and really, really, really needs to wake up and find his way as Jaron Christian uh, the former third-round pick out of Louisville a couple of years ago. He's been a disappointment so far, um, you know, as he kind of learns his his craft and tries to get stronger and tries to get a better anchor and all that good stuff. Uh, you mentioned Cornelius Lucas. Certainly he is a, you know, veteran cheap signing, two-year deal, not a lot of money. He's mostly a right tackle, though. That's what he's mm. mostly played since 2014. Very, very, very limited snaps i would say that you know if you're going to the betting window i would i would think and say that you know by i don't know four or five six weeks into the season my guess would be that city charles is their left tackle you mentioned the fourth round pick out of lsu you know all sorts of athleticism just a you know just an absolute maniac when it comes to getting out in space and um and just using his quick feet and all that good stuff uh, to kind of, and his athleticism to work that left tackle position. And that's just my guess as long as he watches his P's and Q's because we all know that, you know, mm. he ran a foul with Ed Orgeron uh, in LSU. So assuming that that happened, that's what I see four, five, six weeks into the season. Uh, that to be Charles is the left tackle. Uh, again, that's partially because Christian hasn't developed yet unless he has a sudden surge. And again, Cornelius Lucas is more right tackle uh, that a left tackle, and quite honestly, they, they might need help at that right tackle position too because, you know, Morgan Moses under a big contract, you know, he, he, he plays a lot. He just gets hurt and banged up a lot, and he's at, at times very ineffective. And then if you, you know, if you just look at the whole situation, you know, teams obviously need to protect the left and right side. I mean, it's no longer a just protect the blind side of your quarterback type of league. And Dwayne Haskins has had trouble getting rid of the football at times and anticipating throws. So it is of utmost importance uh, that they protect better on the edge, which, you know, is a huge question mark. I, I get at both tackle positions in my eyes. Hey, Chris, it's Gino Camilleri from the Locked On Eagles podcast here. One, hey, one position group that I look at on Washington that absolutely, I would say, fascinates me is the running back room right now. And yeah. I think it's just fitting that we continue on talking about, we were just talking about offensive line. What do you think is going to happen back there? Because to me, I was, I, I know Marcus was as well, a huge Antonio Gibson fan coming mm -hmm. out of Memphis. I could absolutely see him being a guy that they love in that offense. He can really do a bit of everything at wide receiver and back. You have Adrian Peterson, a Darius Geis who went healthy, should live up to his hype. And then you have Bryce Love and Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick and just this collection of 
all these guys that could be fourth running backs. What do you really see going on with this room? Because to me, it is, it's an absolute spectacle of names that are back there right now. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I mean, and it's a good breakdown too. And I'm with you guys, both, both you and Marcus on, on, in terms of Antonio Gibson and what he can potentially mm-hmm. bring, I think he'll be limited to some degree in, say, his rookie year as a natural running back, meaning, you know, they're not going to line him up behind Dwayne Haskins, you know, out of whatever formation and have him carry 15, 18, 17 mm-hmm. times. That's not going to happen because he's very raw in that area. But we all know he's got size, speed. I asked him right after he was drafted, I said, hey, the thing that jumped out to me, at, you know, on tape is you don't go down. People can have a hard time tackling. He goes, look, if they try and tackle me by my legs, uh, or I should say by my upper body, by my shoulders, uh, I'm, I'm going to rip right through it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, so that's one thing on him. I think he's going to be absolutely used. I think he'll be a versatile switchblade type of weapon, you know, lined up in the slot, lined up outside, lined up in multiple uh, running back sets with either Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, or you mentioned the, the other assortment of riches, which sounds yeah. weird, right? For a bad Redskins offense, they kind of have an assortment of riches uh, at the running back position. You mentioned Peterson. I mean, look, he's 35 years old, but he's a future Hall of Famer. Darius Geis is the X factor. If mm-hmm. Darius Geis can stay on the field for more than three games, guys, that's your bell cow. That's your number one running back. That's their most explosive weapon. Uh, the problem is he hasn't been able to in two weeks. And then you mentioned McKissick. I'm really intrigued based on what I've seen on tape, how Seattle and Detroit used him. Again, versatile guys, some speed, some, some sneaky speed. You can use him a lot of different ways. And I'm really interested to see how much better they are on third down, which they have struggled miserably on third down and in the red zone with McKissick a part of this team, as opposed to Chris Thompson, who, while explosive at times, just wasn't able to stay healthy and stay on the field. And I think that's going to be a big upgrade for the, uh, for the Washington NFL offense. You're listening to the ultimate NFC East crossover show. We are putting Chris Russell of Locked on Redskins on the hot seat. We're going to take our break. And when we come back, folks, we're going to have another round of questions for Chris. So do stay with us. Hey, guys, Marcus Mosier here from Locked on Cowboys to tell you about rockauto.com. It's a family business that has been serving auto parts to customers for over 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always incredibly low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in the how did you hear about us box to let them know that we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ultimate NFC East podcast. My name is Patricia Tran, and I'm joined by Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys, Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles, and on the hot seat, we have Chris Russell of Locked On Redskins. It is all about the Washington Football Club on today's show. We hope you are enjoying the uh, Ultimate NFC East crossover show. And uh, Chris, I, I want to swing over and ask you about the defense. Now, to me, the way I see it, the Washington defensive front is just loaded. It is absolutely stacked. I think you have something like four or five first round picks, but the back end of that defense is a little, I think, shaky um, when you look at it. I'm just wondering, how do you see the two kind of balancing each other out and helping each other out? Well, you know, Patricia, I mean, you'll remember this, and, and Gino will remember this too, and Marcus, you you studied the entire league, so I know you'll remember this as well. I don't mean mm-hmm. to exclude anybody, but, you know, I keep going back to how the Giants last won their Super Bowl. Yeah, sure, some great catches, Eli Manning, all that, but that NASCAR package where they rotated in mm-hmm. six, seven guys and kept them fresh and kicked defensive ends in the 4-3 inside and protected a somewhat suspect secondary in corners – uh, way back when in, what, 2011, 2012, and how the Eagles kept their pass rushers fresh when they won, uh, you know, the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. Again, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight guys. That's what I see out of the Washington uh, defense in the defensive line. You know, they were already strong there with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Matt Ioannidis, although those guys wore down as the season went along. Then you now throw in second-year um, Montez Sweat, a four, you know, a first-round pick who's now, you know, who started to come on late last year. Ryan Kerrigan off of his worst year and off of his first time with injuries and going into the final year of his contract, but he kicks down to a 4-3 end, and I think they can use him inside and closer shaded to the football more than he's ever been used in this formation because of the talent and the riches they have. And oh, by the way, did I mention they have Chase Young, the number two overall pick? (laughs) You know, and look, I I mean, what else can you say about the kid? He hasn't played a single down, but I I mean, I'd be stunned if he isn't really good at the start and probably a perennial Pro Bowl, maybe all pro, and the Reds, uh, the Washington team has not had enough of those. I can tell you that much. Um, I'll just give you a quick aside. Scott McLuhan, the former Washington, Seattle, and San Francisco general manager, uh, told me right before the draft that he his comparison, you know, you hear Julius Peppers, you hear, you know, all sorts of, uh, was Reggie White. And what he meant by that was, you know, 
look, he's got a long way to go to prove that, but in terms of body type and what he can fill out to, about 275 and still having speed and athleticism, but more that he can be a 4-3 base end and he can play every single down and you don't have to just hide him as a third down nickel pass rusher or a second and long pass rusher. So to me, if he's everything that everyone, including the experts and the scouts and the people that do this for a living tell me he is, and everything my eyes see, I mean, I think it's going to be a game changer and that's how they're going to cover up a suspect secondary with better pass rush more depth and more fresh legs which they have not had especially in the second half of games and the second half of seasons in recent years hey chris i want to jump back to the offensive side of the ball for a second um i want to talk about the receivers that's a position that uh that obviously i care a lot about um terry mclaurin was fantastic last year for washington uh, but the hunt for the number two receiver kind of is on in Washington. Um, I don't think Steven Sims is somebody who got enough credit last year. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that he had a big, you know, last four games of the season catching a touchdown. Yep. Or I think four touchdowns over the last four games of the year. Uh, talk to me, us a little bit about the receiving core after Terry McLaurin. Who's expected to start opposite him? Who's going to play in a slot? And how you expect that uh, wide receiver unit to be this year? Yeah, I, I think the slot is absolutely going to be Sims. I don't think that's really much in question, barring an injury uh, or a dramatic drop-off. So I, I think I feel pretty comfortable there. I don't know the other corresponding position to Terry McLaren at this point because it could be, you know, last year's sixth-round pick, Kelvin Harmon, who, again, came on in the second half of the season last year and really steadily improved and is a big body and can make some tough catches. Um, you know, but isn't the most fast and explosive and twitchy guy. Or it could be the rookie fourth-round pick out of Liberty, Antonio Gandy-Golden, who I think is a better version of Kelvin Harmon. Um, Or I guess it could be former Giant Cody Latimer, uh, but he's got a little bit of a, uh, well, he's got a little bit of a legal hot water type situation. So I'm not counting on him, but he's clearly – the he's clearly the veteran receiver that they were looking for. Remember, this is an organization, guys, that tried to spend a boatload of money on Amari Cooper, and I thought that would have been too overaggressive, if if we're being honest. Um, you know, but but right now they do have that question mark, as we just said, and there's other guys that could factor in, I I suppose, to the mix if they have a really good camper preseason or whatever we're going to be doing here. But I would think I would think it's probably going to be Harmon Week One along with Sims and McLaren with Gandy Golden right on their tail. Any any hope for Trey Quinn? I uh I don't see I I don't see a lot of great uh, hope there. Maybe if if he has a great camp and he he can stay healthy which he has not been able to do in his first two years in the NFL and then if he can really pop as a punt returner, because that's, I think, his his best shot and probably his only shot, uh, the former Mr. Irrelevant, of staying on this team, quite honestly. Um, I I mean, I don't mean to cut anybody out. Of course, injuries and and weird things can happen, uh, but I, I would say he's definitely behind the eight ball, which probably isn't surprising that a guy who was the last pick in the draft two years ago is, is on the fringe for a roster spot. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Chris, I'm going to switch it back to the defense here. And I, I could not not ask you this question about what is going on in the secondary because I know what's going to happen at two of the cornerback spots but I want to know who's going to be on the outside on the other side because I'm pretty sure that Kendall Fuller should supplant himself again as a starter Jimmy Moreland to me is he was one of my favorites in that class really excelled at the Shrine Bowl and then in the, the um the Senior Bowl as well when they called him up but to me How terrified are you of seeing Deshaun Jackson come back to FedEx field and run a double move on Ronald Darby on the other side of the ball? I'm I'm serious. I would love to see Fabian Moreau on the other side. I think he has, he has a little more pep in his step, but to me, it's just a conundrum what you guys are going to do there. And I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. So it's a great question. I mean, you know, like I'll just start with this. First of all, Fabian was terrible inside in the slot last year Mm -hmm. uh, and really improved. I don't want to say he was great, but he really improved as they benched Josh Norman as as they finally, finally made the decision <laughs> to do that, which they should have done two years ago. Um, but as, as Fabian played on the outside, I think he got a lot better. Jimmy Moreland, you're right, had a, you know, I would say an inconsistent rookie year, but certainly mm-hmm. flashed. I know Landon Collins thinks he's going to be a breakout star and then some. I don't know if I would go there. But I think Jimmy has definitely potential, and I think they like him a little bit better on the outside as opposed to the inside as well. Um, And then Darby, you know, what I can't figure out about Darby is has he completely, you know, has he completely lost a step or or because of all the injuries or was last year just that – recovery year and he was always right there in the neighborhood right there but couldn't quite close or couldn't quite make the play against more explosive taller bigger faster receivers so I'm going to probably lean towards you know what he's going to have to show me he's back before I believe he's back but I think there's at least the potential potential that Ronald Darby could have used last year as kind of, again, a recovery rehab year, and then maybe takes a step closer to what he was in Buffalo uh, or maybe early on in Philadelphia uh, here. And, 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 you know, guys, look, clearly it's the weakness of their defense. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Kendall Fuller, you know, of course he can play outside, he can play inside, he can play free safety, he can do everything. But the plan there is for him to start inside the slot and to have him, you know, I, I mean, to have him be a roving type guy, but that's the plan to have him uh, inside primarily. And I, I do think that's a huge upgrade from, again, what the Redskins were dealing with last year in that particular area. Uh, and I also think they got a big upgrade at free safety if Sean Davis is healthy because his arrow was on the way up in Pittsburgh two years ago before a shoulder injury last year, and he is an enormous upgrade, in my opinion, uh, over Monte Nicholson, who found himself in TMZ more
more than he did in the in, in the box score, you know. So I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line. The red, the Washington secondary is better than it was last year, but I would still identify it, um, you know, as, as definitely suspect. And you want to call it a weakness, you know? I I, I think that's more than fair. All right, folks, you have been listening to the Ultimate NFC East Crossover Show with Marcus Mosier of Locked On Cowboys, Gino Camilleri of Locked On Eagles, myself, Patricia Trena of Locked On Giants, and Chris Russell of Locked On Redskins. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Ultimate NFC East Crossover Show tomorrow I go on the hot seat with the questions uh, for the Giants. So look forward to bringing that to you for Marcus, Gino, and Chris. This is Patricia Trena. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.